Hey everybody, it's Miles here from the Around the Craft Table team, and what you're about to hear is a audio essay on art and being better as a creator of art. It's framed around the work of Anthony Bourdain, who was a noted television producer and chef, and the ways in which he strove to just push himself and his team that much further in the television they chose to make. It's a companion piece to a larger episode, which will be coming out a day later by the time this comes out, Friday, July 13th. We hope you enjoy it and the larger episode. And we'll see you on Film Friday. The best piece of advice I have for someone trying to succeed in the film industry or any creative space is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Let's have a conversation about art. Who makes art? Why it's worth making art? The pressure of making art? And how to go about doing it? To begin the how portion of the conversation, and the conversation in general, let's look at the notion of better. Better is a tough thing to talk about because it's an intangible quality that you don't know if you've attained until it's too late. The book is in someone's hands, the movie or television show is on the screen, the music or podcast or radio show is in their ears, or the food is on their plate. Now you might be wondering why a filmmaking podcast has included food in their list of how to make art better. Well, that's because on June 8th, 2018, the world lost rock star chef Anthony Bourdain. Amongst other things, he was a writer, a musician, a storyteller, a father, and as we mentioned before, a cook. Now how does this all relate to the idea of being better and making better content? Well, it's simple. That's what he and his team strove for with all of the television shows that they made. Beginning with the Cook's Tour in 2002, Anthony and his team at Zero Point Zero Productions set out to change the way we look at food on television and ultimately filmmaking as a medium. They did this by cutting out all of the artifice and all of the shine. Now yes, it was obviously a television show that needed to be edited for time constraints and broadcast quality standards, but that doesn't mean that the editing needed to adjust and alter the storytelling that was done. It doesn't mean that the editing needed to alter and adjust the perspectives we were given, nor th did it need to alter the personalities that we were presented either. The show unabashedly and unapologetically gave you exactly what you expected. A cook taking you through a tour of a city, the restaurants, the food, the people, the places, the culture, Everything was there, all that you could possibly need. And it was there without artifice, without fake, without an insincere coat of paint that a lot of reality television shows and a lot of food shows often put forth. How to cook certain food a certain way exactly as the recipe tells you, even having a pre-made piece of food waiting. This notion and the idea of it as it relates to film is interesting 
the idea that everything is prefabricated and pre-planned. Pre-planning, as you've heard us talk about in the podcast, is a huge part of what we do. But it's also potentially a part of the problem when it comes to making, quote-unquote, better content. It's a part of the problem because if you lock yourself into the idea that you pre-plan something and that it needs to be prefabbed, pre-constructed, and executed the way you've pre-constructed and prefabricated it, then you lock yourself into the idea that none of your team that you've put together for the project are creative and that even if they are, their ideas aren't worth hearing. And this, for me, and I think all of us at Around the Craft Table and in the independent filmmaking scene in general, is where things fall apart. The team we put in front of us or behind us, depending on our position and role, is the most important part of the project. The art itself, at the end of the day, doesn't matter and shouldn't matter and ultimately won't matter if the team behind it hasn't put in the effort or doesn't want to put in the effort or hasn't been given the opportunity to do so either. Now, what does effort mean? Well, we can talk about long work hours, 16-hour days. We can talk about stress. We can talk about health risk. But to put everything in a nice little bow and avoid belaboring the point, effort is care. Care from the moment you begin writing the script right up until the moment the movie is released and viewed by your audiences. Caring means thinking through each and every single moment of your piece and trimming it down to exactly and only and as beautifully as possible precisely what is needed to tell the story you're trying to tell. And that, to me at least, is what the team at 0.0 and Mr. Bourdain accomplished with every episode of every show that they made. From the unobtrusive editing all the way down to the musical choices. The show has presented you with a look at the world that was simultaneously as real as it needed to be and as it ought to be given the subject that it's presenting and yet maintained a sincere and genuine polish in its presentation. It used split-screen editing techniques in shows like The Layover, which featured Anthony spending anywhere from 48 to 5 hours in a city on a layover stop from one city to the next. The split-screen editing there and the soundtracks in place for all of the shows give you a look at a world that Anthony wanted you to see at its best and he wanted to present it to you better than anybody else could. As we circle around conceptually to the idea of better, better also means failure. There are going to be episodes, productions, scripts, songs, books, chapters, paintings, brushstrokes, or whatever else your medium might be for your art that are going to fail. They may fail minutely, or they may fail spectacularly. The important thing is, you took the risk to fail. And just by taking the risk, you've done better. There is a clear measurement in our business of better. That is the Hollywood standard, the glitz, the glamour, the polish, and the explosions. 
well, that may be the standard that we've been trained through exposure to media and through our imaginations to want to live up to. It is not the only standard, and it is frankly the least important of them. The Hollywood standard is one driven by money and by reputation. Those two things are ultimately what keep the Hollywood machine going, and they are ultimately largely the least important things that we should be considering as filmmakers. Our job, first and foremost, is to A, entertain, and B, tell a story. Now, if we're concerning ourselves with purely marketable films and purely marketable storytelling, then we are doing a disservice to human beings and consumers of art. They're smart. They're aware of what's being put in front of them. They know what they like and what they don't like. So for us as filmmakers independently and as we move forward professionally and do more quote-unquote mainstream work, for us to want to only do the bare minimum that it takes to make a film good or watchable or passable is a disservice, again, to, to those watching. It's unfair to them, and it's unfair to us because we're creative people who some of us have spent a number of years training and working in the industry, trying to find a foothold, trying to get a grip on ourselves as professional storytellers. And then we decide to just be good enough. Sometimes good enough can make a really good movie. A lot of the time it can. There have been several really good movies that don't do anything particularly interesting or unique in the way that they tell the stories. They're just told by really solid artists and really competent craftsmen. But what really pushes film, in my eyes, and I think, again, for all of us at Around the Craft Table, is the idea that you can put someone in a car, for example, and I'm speaking, of course, about the film Walk, starring Tom Hardy, where he drives from work to home. It's a two-and-a-half-hour film and approximately the same drive. I can't remember the locations. But the only conversations he has are with himself and over the phone. The entire movie is him driving to meet his wife as she's about to have their first child. This on its face sounds really boring and really uninteresting. And yet, due to some really competent writing and some extremely wonderful cinematography, editing, direction, and a masterful performance by Tom Hardy, this movie is one of the most compelling films made this decade. It grabs you almost from the moment it begins and doesn't let go. It is a prime example of being better, even within the Hollywood system. It eschews all of the norms that you expect from a movie, like there's more than one character on screen. Characters have to be doing something dynamic and exciting. There is no dynamic and exciting in this film, or at least not on its face. It's just a man making his nightly commute with the added bonus of getting to meet his first child. Now, things do go off the rails, and I'm not going to do a full review here. That's not the point of this essay. The point of this essay, again, is to talk about how important it is for independent filmmakers 
everywhere. The ones that listen to us, the ones that don't, the ones who have money, and the ones who don't have any money, to just push themselves to think outside the box, whether that's directly on their own or with the team that they work with and surrounding themselves with good people who know not only their positions and not only their roles, be they cinematographer, editor, writer, or whatever, but they know how to push the limits of those positions and the gear that they're using to get the story that they're trying to get and then to make it that much better. The idea of food being sexy, the way that Anthony Bourdain made it, is, is weird because, as I mentioned, it's something that we are just taught in Western culture is a task. It is a thing that we do in order to survive. Sexy food, however, can win you several Emmys. It can make you notable in circles where you probably wouldn't have been notable. It can bring an entire audience together from places and life situations that you wouldn't think would be possible. This idea of bringing people together in these ways from disparate situations and disparate cultures and maybe even disparate languages is at the very heart of what we do as filmmakers and ultimately as storytellers. It is ultimately why many of us are in the industry in the first place, to bring people together that we may not even know and tell them really cool, really fun, heartwarming, hilarious, or even sometimes sad stories. Stories that they can relate to, stories that they may have experienced, stories that they know from seeing the film that they'll never ever want to experience. I'm talking about you, The Shining. This concept of bringing people together for better or worse, regardless of their beginnings, nationality, or linguistic capabilities, is one that, again, speaks to being better. Not, not in an artistic sense in this case, but being better as human beings, pushing ourselves to experience new things in new ways with new people and in new places that we might not have done otherwise. That is being better as a human being. And that, I feel, is precisely what Anthony Bourdain and his team of artists, editors, writers, cinematographers, gaffers, wardrobe, and others brought to this earth for the many years and many seasons and many hours of television that Anthony put out. He left an indelible mark on the industry of filmmaking and television, one that was acknowledged both in the community and outside of the community. He strove to fail in the most spectacular ways when failure struck. He strove to succeed in the most spectacular ways when success struck. He presented normal and average and everyday with sex, with polish, with oomph, 
and bravado like no other. This is why I feel it's important to be better. For us as artists to push and strive and work and sweat and potentially bleed to tell better stories, not to be remembered. Memory will come if it is earned. It is important for us to be better so that we may push others to do better in our stead and in our wake. To close off this essay, I would like to say that Anthony's work had a profound effect on me. It is content that I go back to frequently, both as a viewer and as a creator. It is content that I study, that I break apart, that I laugh about, that I laugh at, that I marvel at, and that I dream about presenting and creating someday myself. So I guess to close, I'd like to, to thank him, even though he'll never hear this, for pushing not only me to be better and to tell better stories, but all of humanity ultimately through the content that he produced to just try new things, to try new experiences, to break outside of our boxes, and to just live better lives. Thanks, Anthony. Hey everybody, it's Miles again. I'm going to be real quick. We hope you enjoyed the essay and the companion episode that you'll hear on Friday. As well, we're going to leave some links in the show notes in both this essay and the episode on Friday. For those of you who are struggling with um, mental illness, helplines you can reach out to, web resources. Um, we want you to know that whatever you do in life, whether it's art or a trade or whatever, you're valued and you have so much to contribute. We appreciate your listening and hope you stick around for more. Thanks.